0: Let's pray together. Father, we come this morning and we come under no small name. We come in the name of Jesus Christ, in view of Jesus, who is the hope for sinners, and that's what we are. We're anchor for our souls and that is Christ our Lord. We have no other hope, and may all other false hopes be shown as that. In our lives, may we throw them off and say and see that Christ is enough. He is our hope into all eternity. And so may you help us this morning. May our eyes be set upon Christ. Help us to look to him To hope in Him, to grow in Him, and to be conformed to Him. And so help us, Lord. May you unite us, may you help us and unite us in this hope, the hope of Christ. And so help us, Lord. May you be with us and may you help us as we come before your word. May the cross be lifted high. May Christ be lifted high. May you work in us and may we go out. May you help every single one of us to go out and help us to preach the gospel. Help us to preach the cross and what Christ has done for sinners. And so we pray and we ask that you would even open doors of opportunity for us to share the gospel with those around us. In our families, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in the grocery store, in restaurants. May you do that and we ask that you would do that in every single one of our lives. And may you help us to take advantage of each one of those opportunities as you give them. And so help us, Father. May you be with us as we turn to your word this morning. May the power of Christ be plain as we turn to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bible this morning to Galatians. We'll be in Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 this morning. When I was... Younger, probably somewhere around ten to twelve years old, I took up mowing lawns. And one of the lawns I mowed was my great grandmother's lawn, and to be honest, I love it. <laughs> and I still love mowing lawns. I love the smell of fresh cut grass. I enjoy the time just to, to spend, you know mowing and thinking or praying or listening to something and it's just good (laughs) enjoy it now my grandmother I loved her but I didn't often visit her and we didn't often visit her as a family but over the years as I was there mowing her on I got to know her better and as we you know she would always offer me something as I came you know water or you know some sort of snack Or Twinkies or, you know, brownies or candy, you know. And certainly tea was one of them she would offer me. And so we'd sit there and I'd get to know her better and then I'd get to mowing the lawn. One thing I learned quickly was that she loved working in her yard. You know, I remember going over there many times and seeing just the variety, you know, the beauty of these blossoming flowers that she had planted and just what a sign. it was. You know, she she planted those How beautiful they were. Each time I would go over there to mow her lawn. Now it it didn't get that way though on its own. You know, she planted a wide array of flowers, and what she she sowed, what she planted, she reaped. What she planted in the ground the seed; it came up. And so whatever that was, whatever flower it was, what flower ended up coming up? And so the flowers reaped dependent on flowers were sown or planted. This morning, we'll be looking at part one of our call to sow and to plant. But not in our yards or as you're landscaping over this summer, but to sow to the Spirit of God. Plant towards the Spirit in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, churches, and in everything. So let's begin with our first verse here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. May the Lord plant his word deep in our hearts today. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap Eternal life. Amen. So here as we are very quickly drawing near to the end of this amazing letter, we are now on the latter half, one of the most one of the major spirit focused passages in really all of the New Testament. And there are others, certainly, within the New Testament, but this is definitely one of the major ones. And so as followers of Christ, as we have seen, as we've walked through this letter to the Galatians, we saw in Galatians 3.3 3, that we began by the Spirit of God, and we were what? We're not to then go on and continue in the flesh, but we're to go on and live in Christ by the Spirit of God. And so here then, we are shown how we are to walk according to the Spirit of God. And so then, with this amazing letter that we've heard again and again, that there is no other gospel, Christ alone is enough. And in Christ we hope. Then we come to these words, our roots firmly planted in Christ, in Him alone. Spirit of God, if you know Jesus Christ this morning, the Spirit of God is within you. And so with, it, with the Spirit of God within us, then God here is exhorting us not to sow to the flesh. But instead, we are to sow to the Spirit of God. So in this light, we see again and again in a number of ways ways that we are to sow to the spirit and so first here we see in sowing to the spirit we are to support teachers of the word support teachers of the word now right away that may be rather unexpected right i mean were you were you expecting me to kind of you know go right there not me but where are you expecting paul to go that direction here you know, okay, so we're talking about sowing to the Spirit. So it's time to talk about giving. You know, is that is that what you were kind of thinking where we were headed with this? So it's easy to see why this is not you know on our radars. However, this makes a lot of sense here in view of the context. So as we look at the context, it becomes a lot clearer. We're told there in verses 1-5 to, to bear one another's burdens. If you remember, so he's saying, in light of bearing one another's burdens, then it makes complete sense of going here then as we think of teachers who are laboring and they're teaching the Word, preaching the Word of God, then we are to be mindful of those who are teachers of the Word and share all good things with them. So that's Shane, you mind turning that down just a little bit? I think you have a little echo there. Sorry. So yeah. So as we see this, that's one area where we see. But then we also see here. We remember that this letter it comes as a corrective, and it's a corrective in part to who False teachers. So here they were, false teachers. They were going around spreading a false message. They were preaching a false gospel. And the Galatians, they were hearing this, and they were taking it in. And so Paul, he is coming, and he is passionately imploring the Galatians to forsake those, to forsake the false teachers, to forsake false teaching, and to not listen to them and to their false gospel. And so it comes in that light as well. We're we're not going to give all good things to false teachers. And we're not to do that. However, in contrast, there are those who are going and faithfully teaching the word. Those who are going and faithfully teaching the gospel. And it is those that we need to listen. And it is those that we need to learn. Faithful teachers, we are now. This isn't talking about like just words of encouragement, as helpful as that is, you know, and that is most certainly a blessing to have words of encouragement. And teachers will be encouraged by words like that, but it's going farther than that. What this is talking about is material goods, this is about, you know, assisting or giving. Uh, supporting those who are set aside to teach and to preach the Word of God. And so, faithful teachers of the Word, faithful teachers of the Gospel, they are to be provided for. And so here, as we see all this, we see the vital ministry of teaching within the body of Christ. Our churches... All of us, every single one of us, we are built upon the faithful teaching of the Word of God and of the Gospel. We need that. And it really doesn't take long for us to see just how vital the teaching of the Word is. I mean, we we see it as we kind of look out on the landscape of America, and we see those churches that are not doing this, and the effect that this has had and is having right now. For those who are forsaking the word, the actual specific teaching of the word of God and the vital teaching of sound doctrine. I mean, they they are replacing it with all sorts of things, right? You know, I mean, replacing it with, you know, nice stories. You know, little nice cozy things that make you feel real nice and warm inside. But they don't tell you the truth. You know, maybe a lot of humor. Getting you all laughing and you leave happy and smiling, you know. Now, I'm not against humor in sermons. Don't hear me saying that but they can just have just that. Is that what the preaching of the Word is about to get you to laugh? I mean, they didn't laugh today. I failed as a preacher. You know? I mean, is that what this is? No, I mean, or hobby horses, you know, fuzzy fillings, or maybe something else. I mean, all sorts of things are being preached and taught in churches that are not the faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God so we see that that is not what we are to do and that is not what we are to be about the word of god must be taught must be preached faithfully non negotiable you may like the personality if they are not preaching the word of god and teaching the word of god faithfully. That is unacceptable. And every one of us in this room are accountable before God if it is not. Not just the preacher. That's how Paul began, right? How could you allow a false gospel? I mean, you're tolerating this. I'm astonished. So it's for this reason that Paul, he calls the church in 1 Timothy 3.15 a pillar and buttress of the truth. It's because this matters that much. The ministry of the teaching of the church is vital. And we see this throughout Scripture again and again and again and again. You know, we see it from the priests of Israel who felled, and wow, the judgment of God that came upon them. The false prophets who had a word to declare that was not the word of God. And how judgment came upon them. And so we see it in that way, but we also see it expressly with our homes and fathers and parents. The calling of God to teach your children. We see it in Proverbs as we've been walking through that on Wednesday nights. We see it in our Lord in the Gospels, right? I mean, what is He doing again and again and again? I mean, He is teaching. He is preaching the Kingdom of God. We see it in pastors and teachers and missionaries. We see it throughout Scripture again and again. The call is to teach preach declare disciple listen to obey to walk under and to walk according to the word of god amen so the teaching ministry of the church is massively important from children to adults even babies to adults it matters And so it is that Paul, he says, as we were talking about in Sunday school and Sunday school this morning in 2 Timothy 2.15. You consider yourself a teacher. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So we are not just to settle for anyone in our teaching ministries, in our pulpits, in any area of ministry with teaching within the body of Christ. It must be those who are faithful, who are godly in character, and who are good, studious teachers of the Word of God. And so we see here the vital ministry of teaching and in that way, then, we see the call to sow to the Spirit and to be faithful givers. And so we see to share all good things in order to be faithful, in order to be faithful. Now, as you're hearing all this, we need to recognize this is not Pastor Andrew coming to this passage and saying, You guys need to give better. That's not what's going on here this morning. This is from God. This is God's word, not mine. This is why I love expositional preaching. Normally, I don't think a lot of pastors would actually go here unless they're a health and wealth gospel preacher. But we have to come here with an exposition of the word of God. And we want to come here. Because we want the whole of the counsel of God's Word. And so this is from God, and it's not a dictum of capitalism. It's not something that we've made up along the way. It wouldn't be nice if people gave to teachers. You know, we didn't do that. It's appropriate for those, as Paul says here, who are taught the Word to be faithful before God sharing all good things with those who faithfully teach the word. That's one song. also we have the call to share all good things in order to allow for the ministry of the word, to allow for the ministry of the word. So faithfulness, calling of teaching, it is not a call for pastors and for teachers and preachers missionaries, evangelists, to laziness. When you think of the pastoral ministry, it's not one hour or two hours on Sunday morning. <laughs> it is a labor. Blood, sweat, and tears. That is why many pastors burn out. When they're working 60 hours every week or more. But we're to be faithful It is a call to diligence and to labor in the word. And so how then does giving relate to all of that? Well, faithful giving, it frees pastors for the word of God in prayer as we see in Acts. To fulfill the calling that God has given them to do what God is calling them to do. And to do all that, that takes time and it takes labor and even great effort And so First Timothy 5:17, it exhorts, "Let the reader who, uh, the elders or pastors is what that means, elders, the rule well be considered double honor, especially to labor in preaching and in teaching, Amen. because that's what they're to do. And faithfulness to the word, it means time. And why do we do this? Why do pastors and teachers and preachers do this? It's, it's because it's a labor of love. It's a labor of love for God. It's a labor of love for you. It's a labor of love for the lost. It is something that is no minor or light task, but one day before God in judgment Every pastor, every teacher, they will be giving an account for their teaching. And there should be some trembling there. And you want that. You want a faithful teaching. <laughs> you don't want teachers to cut corners, to give you kind of like the crumbs of the meal. You want the meal. And so I tremble as well at this responsibility of pastoring, of preaching, of teaching before you and primarily before God every single Sunday and Wednesday and as I minister to you throughout the week. And so hear me, I don't take this lightly before God. And so these two aspects and we see in all this we see the reciprocal blessing we see the reciprocal blessing and so this this blesses you doing this giving blesses you and it blesses teachers of the word and so how does it do that well you then are further exhorted, you're further moved, you're further spurred on, you're further discipled, you're further encouraged to be faithful and to walk in the ways of Christ in the Word and being conformed to Him. So that's on the side of you and then on the side of the teacher, the preacher, the evangelist, the missionary, they then are able to devote themselves before the Lord to the time necessary to faithfully set before you In all the Word of God. Now, let me say in all this, I am deeply thankful and deeply grateful for you, Haven Baptist Church. You have blessed me and you have allowed me just that (laughs) the time, the opportunity to dig into the Word of God and to seek to be faithful before God in this calling and in this task. And so I thank you for affording me that time to do this. And I often thank the Lord before the Lord, and I thank Him for your faithfulness in this as well. And so I praise Him for you. So in all this, we see the principle at work that we began with, that I've been alluding to since we have began and since that Paul is alluding to, but now here Paul directly gives us that principle. So in sowing to the Spirit, recognize the principle. In sowing to the Spirit, recognize the principle. Now, before he expressly gives us that, he says, there in verse 7 that God is no fool. God is no fool. And so that, that word mocked here, that means to kind of, you know, turn your nose up at someone. Kind of a disdainful, like I'm better than you kind of way. That's the kind of meaning behind here with mocked. God is not mocked. What this is doing is it's God like a fool. Well, God is no fool. He knows. He cannot ever be misled. He can never be deceived. He can never be manipulated, ever. You're never going to be able to fool Him or pull one over God. There is nowhere that you can go where God will not know every single thought you're thinking, every feeling you're having, every temptation, every single thing. He, where, nowhere where you can go where He will not see you. He always sees you. He always knows every single thing about you. What does Jesus say? He, he even counts all the hairs at your head. He knows them all. He is that specific. Yeah. And even more. Atoms, molecules, he knows all that of you individually. He knows every detail of all things from the tiniest of atoms to the vast expanse of the universe throughout every single part of the universe. God knows it. Amen. We have no idea. But he knows it. So in other words, he knows the false from the true. He knows our hearts. And whether it trimble, makes you tremble or it makes you rejoice, he knows what you are sowing. He knows what you are sowing. And hence we come to the principle. We come to the principle of sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. Verse seven: For whatever one sows, that will he also. Of course, the principle simple enough. Great grandmother Betty sowing good seeds and reaping a good result. You know, it's the farmer sowing. Good wheat, and then he reaps a good harvest. It's the faithful follower of Christ, you know, planting by the Spirit of God again and again and again, and faithfulness in that, and then what happens? They reap good fruit to their great joy and great delight of their hearts. Praise you, God, for the work that you did there. Now, certainly, Paul still has giving in view here, but this has broader implications as well. And we see there in verse 8 that those who sow to the flesh, what does it say that they will reap? Corruption. They won't sow anything good. And this this reaping that Paul is talking about here, he's not just talking about the here and now because we could go around the room and you could tell me examples of people you know who are walking in wickedness and yet seems like everything's fine. God is saying there is a reaping coming. It may look that way. But there is a day coming when the harvest of their unrighteousness will come. And so while those sowing they will reap eternal life. Judgment is for those who sow to the flesh. And so like I said, it's it's not good and it will become evident you know my great grandmother's seeds they came up eventually and so will yours your seed will come up either for corruption eternal judgment or eternal life so if you are here, and you are not a believer this morning in Jesus Christ, you do not know him. Know this this morning, that your seed, it will come up. What you're sowing towards now, it will save you. And I plead with you in that to see that whatever the world is saying to you whatever they are putting before you saying that this will make you happy this will this is magical if you just do this don't believe it you are not sowing to things that will endure except for judgment God knows He knows what you're sowing to. We may not know. I may not know what you're doing. But God knows. He knows your life, He knows your thoughts. And He really does. And truly, you know, I think if we're honest, I think you ultimately know as well what you're sowing toward. You may not like it. You may try to avoid it. You may hide from it. You may excuse it. You may try to cover it up. But friends, what you need if you don't know Christ this morning is you need Christ. You need the one who will save you, not in some theoretical way, but he will save you. He will give you spiritual life This morning in that search that you've been making for joy in this world will be found in Christ. He is the joy that we're all aiming towards as we get joy in a movie or sports or food or anything else. All those little joys point to the greater joy which is Christ. And so your response to all this And I plead with you this morning, may it be that you turn to him and he will receive you with open arms. He will take all your sin and your shame. He came for that reason regardless of how great your sin is. He came to pay the penalty for your sin, to atone for it, that all your sin would be paid for on the cross, and you would then gain all of His righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Made right by grace. Nothing you do, no effort. Just trust in these verses this morning now for believers we think about sowing to the spirit and what it means this is not the time for us then to go and think of some Mystical kind of ethereal idea, and how this works. Like, here's Christianity: in order to get to the Spirit, you gotta be here on this second tier before you can get that extra access to the Spirit of God. That's that's not at all what Scripture ever says. I mean, the whole letter of Colossians is saying Christ is enough. There is no higher tier. It's just Christ. But if you have the Spirit of God in you, you are called to walk according to the Spirit of God. And so how do we do that? And how should we think about this? Well, the first thing we need to think of is Christ we need to think of is Christ. John 16, 14, the Spirit of God, He will magnify, He will lift up Christ. So you want to know if the Spirit of God is a work in your life? Is Christ foremost in your affections, in your desires, in your pursuits, in your aims, in your life? And if that's true, it's because of the Spirit of God. even as Megan read a moment ago from Hebrews we begin wanting to sow to the spirit with looking to Jesus we are to consider him that we may not grow weary or faint hearted and so sowing to the spirit it is Christ centered and so we begin there and as we consider this then We need to consider this on multiple levels of our lives. And so first, consider what you're sowing to in your spiritual life, in your spiritual life. If you want to abound in your spiritual life, it directly relates to what you are sowing. And sowing, it's not limited to Sunday morning there's no such thing as just like a Sunday morning Christian. I mean, that is not in the Bible at all. I mean, it's I mean all we see is like believers, just like everything in my life is about Jesus. Yes, I'm a mess, like First Corinthians, everyone's a mess in First Corinthians. But they're following Jesus Christ. They're called saints right there at the beginning. It's like everything is about Jesus. I'd go about it imperfectly, but there's no such thing as a Sunday morning only Christian. You're called to let just Christ be over and in every area of your life. And so you sow then more during the week, day by day, than you do during the fewer hours on Sunday morning. I mean, what are you doing throughout the week? You want to know where your spiritual life is and why, maybe. You're not like abounding in it, then ask that question. Not, yes, come on Sunday mornings. Yes, come to Sunday school. Yes, go to home groups and so on. But ask the question what are you doing throughout the week? And that will answer all variety of questions for you. And so the question is what are you sowing to in your thoughts and in your pursuits? are you practicing the spiritual disciplines and as you hear all this don't hear that all right i'm feeling bad now <laughs> that you said that so i'm not doing this and this well that that's not what drives us here guilt is not the driver for why you read the bible it's not the driver for why you pray why do you do those things because you love God. It's because He is your life. He is your joy. He's the one you delight in. He is the one you long for. He is the one you yearn for. He's the one that you want to be glorified in your life. And so as you, you go to your Bible That is to be the impulse of your heart. I love him, and so I want to know him more. I I love him, and so I'm praying and seeking his face. I love, I think, what Martin Luther said. I mean, there's debate on it, but he said, I'm so busy, I can't spend any less than three hours in prayer today. I mean, is that the way we think? I think the devil is doing everything he can to get us away from thinking in any way of that sort. We'll spend plenty of time reading all variety of things, looking at our social media, watching TV, working in our gardens and yards. But where are we spending time in the things of God? I would argue that is more important than any of those things I just listed. Then your home, you need to be in the Word of God. I love how one author put it, come near to the holy men and women of the past, and you will soon feel the heat of their desire, mourn for him, they prayed, and sought for him, in season and out, and when they found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long-seeking. And that's what we're doing. I'm not doing it to be saved. I'm doing it because I am saved. And I love him. And I want to know him more. And so your love for and joy in God, may that lead you into deeper. Into to his word, and to knowing him, and savoring him, and letting your love for and joy in God cause you to be like Daniel, that if a day comes when you're told, no, you cannot pray, you cannot read your Bible, what are you going to do? You're going to do exactly what you've always done, and you're going to bow and seek God's face. Amen. Because it's nothing new, it is my life. So sow to the Spirit of God in your spiritual life. And then second, consider what you're sowing to in your family. Now, we are certainly not ultimately in control of the salvation of our children. But let me ask you, are you sowing the gospel regularly into their lives? How are you sowing towards helping your children grow spiritually? Now, here at the church, we are here to help you, most certainly. But this is not primarily the responsibility of the church before God. It is yours, parents. Amen. We are in all of our imperfections to lead them in the word of God. Now, we're not responsible for their response, but we are responsible for it to lead them. And we could ask this also of our marriages. You know, a flourishing marriage happens because you're sowing into it to the glory of God. It's not just going casually. You're investing yourself into your marriage. You know, every person who is married here, you know it is Easy to find flaws in your spouse and as you're married longer, is it easier or harder? Easier, right? I mean it has come out everywhere. Right, Megan and me? You know, so I mean you see them everywhere. It doesn't and so that that's easy to do in your marriage, is to spot those. But what if you didn't focus on those, but you focused on what is your husband or your wife is a blessing to you and how those things that they're doing are a blessing to you. Maybe even remembering when you first met them and how you looked on those things and you love them. So see the blessing of your husband or your wife and consider how well they do things rather than considering how well they don't or how badly they don't. If you used your words to build them up rather than tear them down, that is investing in your marriage. What if you trust them more, not less? Recognizing that you're not in control, they're not ultimately yours, they belong to God, not you. How are you specific spirit in your family in Christ in God glorifying ways? And third, consider what you're sowing to in ministry. Now yes, I am called to the ministry. That's why I'm here as a pastor. I'm called to this ministry, but Brothers and sisters, so are you. A pastor is called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That means you are called to ministry also. There really is no, like, sidelines in the Christian life in regard to ministry. You're called to be part of it. Just read 1 Corinthians 12-14. God has a purpose for every single member within the body of Christ. And so we're called to that. And you may not be called to the ministry as I'm called, but you're called to the ministry. So what are you selling to here? You know, who, who might you stand as disciple? Who might you serve? You know, where can you use your giftings within the body of Christ? How can you begin serving here at Haven? And how, let me ask you this I mean, how are you relying on the Lord to do what you're doing? I mean, that's an important question. We aren't simply called to do what we know we can do, what we're able to do in our own strength. I mean, that's easy. But how are you living and doing those things that only God can do? How are you serving? in ways that make it evident that God is the one behind it. The spiritual giftings are given by who? By God, by the Spirit of God. So there needs to be some evident way that this is not from you. So it's not just about what you can do, but even about what you can't do. Because then, what will you be doing? You will be sowing is glory, not yours. And lastly, consider what you're sowing to for the sake of the gospel. We want the lost to be found. We want believers to see the light of Christ and be saved. And so, sow towards that brothers and sisters. I've asked this question many times, but who is one person that you can aim to share the gospel with? Just one person. You know, Reach Madison is about this. We're going to be doing that in April. It's about going out and sowing and sowing and sowing, just like the parable in Mark 4. Where Jesus, he tells the parable, the kingdom of God, a man should our seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. We're called to go and spread and spread the seeds everywhere and anywhere and who brings the growth. God does that. Amen. And so we're called to go and share the gospel and sow the seeds of the gospel. And so, as you consider all of these and each of these areas and what you're sowing, consider what you would like to reap in the next five years. In you know, the old saying, it goes sow a thought, reap an act, sow an act, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character reap a destiny and so where do you want to be in the next five years you know I once remember hearing a story about an old man his normal disposition essentially was a grump <laughs> you know I mean you just put that tile over him grump you know He was grumpy, he was frustrated, and he was often just plain mean. You know, anyone who knew him, they knew that about him. I mean, he would demean his wife. I mean, talking about flaws, oh, he would take advantage of that. He would demean his children. And wow, restaurants, (laughs) when they saw him coming, they knew what they were going to have to expect then. They knew what was coming their way. And it wasn't good. you're not getting a tip. <laughs> you know. Well, his son saw all of this, and he said, "You know, I, I love my dad, but I want to be different. I want to be like Christ." And so his son began sewing, and he began loving his dad even in the midst of those harsh, mean comments. He went and didn't do what his dad did, and he loved and he discipled his wife and his children. He went to those restaurants, and he aimed to be a light to the waitresses and the waiters and to those around him, and he went and he worked unto the Lord and not to men. Now... Let me ask you, when he is old and gray, what kind of man will he be? Will he be like that old, grumpy old man? Well, Friends, we are sowing towards that old man or old woman right now and how we are living our lives. You don't want to be that grumpy old man, old woman who puts a stain on the gospel. How are you sowing to the Spirit of God right now? What kind of man or woman do you want to be? What will you look like in five years from now? What will you look like 10 years from now? 20 years from now? how will you sow to the Spirit of God? Now, this morning, it may mean that you just need to come before the Lord as we pray here in a moment. You say, I've been that grump. I have been sowing to the flesh, and I repent. And by your grace, God, and you have to help me, I will sow to the Spirit and I will aim myself towards your glory. I will aim myself towards that in my spiritual life, in my family, in ministry, and as I go out and share the gospel. So now is the time to sow, not to the flesh, but to the spirit. As we pray, may we consider these things this morning. Let's pray. Father, we pray right now for anyone here who does not know Christ. If they are on the edge, wondering you know, what they need to do, May you even right now make it clear that it's not what they can do, it's what Christ has done. And it's simply putting their faith in him, believing that he died and was buried and he rose again to pay the penalty for their sins, to gulf the gap of separation between you and them, that by putting their faith in him, that right now they will be saved and that gulf will be gapped and Christ will be theirs forever. We pray for anyone here this morning that they will respond by putting their faith in you. We pray for all of us as we believers here who desire and long to be like our Lord. May you help us to set our eyes on Christ this morning. Yes, our failures are great, but Christ is greater. He has taken care of our sin And so we don't come as failures, as with shame on our backs, but we come and you see us as the righteousness of Christ. And so help us consider this morning in light of Christ and what he has done for us, how you are calling us right now to sow to the spirit of God. So may we respond to your word, we ask, as we respond in song. In Jesus' name, amen.